fantasy genre is vast, complex, and has existed for time immemorial. It is a way to escape the drudgery of everyday life, but also a method humanity uses to examine itself in interesting, boundary-shattering ways. We are fascinated with the heights of glory we can rise to, with the depths of depravity in which we sometimes fall. Fantasy gives us an opportunity to reflect on these themes, and let's face it, it's also just plain old fun. Join us weekly on Fridays for the Fantasy in General podcast, where we discuss all things fantasy in general. Thank you so much and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, and welcome to Fantasy in General. Welcome back to the Fig Pod. So, yes. What's up? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't think about it at all until I press record. I think at and this I'm point, like, everybody expects it. I know. That's true. That's true. What was it? La- last week, I, it went very smoothly and it was kind yeah. of, it was kind of disappointing. It was, yeah, it was a pretty smooth transition last week. Yeah, it was. It was. So Colin was looking forward to more. What did he call them? Um, Panic at the intro. <laughs> panic at the intro. That's right. Well, Kelsey had panic at the intro. I this did. Yeah. So check one done. <laughs> it's a successful episode. Indeed. Yep. Well, this one will be a really successful episode. I'm pretty excited for it. Yes, me too. Yeah. Uh, but first things first, what's up? Oh, not a ton necessarily. Okay. Been watching a lot of cooking shows lately. Yeah. Trying to get some culinary inspiration. Has it been inspiring? It has been. Like I, I told you before we started recording, I cooked some ribeye steaks tonight. I was yeah. pretty, pretty happy with them. They were a little more, like I told you, I was going for medium rare, but they a came mid-rare. in a little more. Yeah. But they came in a little more on the medium side. So they were good. Yeah. But not as what kind of seasoning? Um, I actually used um famous Dave's steak seasoning. Oh, I mean it it's is what famous. I had in my it's what I had in my cupboard, and it was actually pretty good. Okay. All right. Fair enough. And butter. And butter. Lots of I butter. Brushed, I brushed butter on the steaks and then yeah. seasoned them and mm. it was pretty good. Had a okay. kind of a nice decadent flavor to it. And then what else did you have with it? Texas toast? Yeah, I made some Texas toast and then also had some asparagus and mm. some Caesar salad. Mm. Okay. Yeah. You're doing like courses. I mean, not full on courses, but it was a pretty substantial yeah. meal. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, your son went on a little field trip today, right? Uh, yeah, he went skiing for the first yeah. time. Is that is that like an overnight thing or is he back? He's back. They just went oh, for okay. they just went for the day. Oh, okay. How'd it go? He really enjoyed it. He wants to go yeah. back out skiing as soon as he possibly can. Oh, a ski family? I guess. What my wife's into it now too, and my son's into it. And so That's kind of bougie. I mean, it's a it's a big thing here, obviously, because yeah. there's snow, you know. Yeah. So people yeah. People do that kind of stuff a lot more here than where we're, what we're used to. Yeah, for sure. Okay. And did he like, did he say he did a good job or? 
Yeah, he said he barely fell down. Is oh. worth his words. Okay. All right. How much is barely? That's unclear. But yeah, I mean, you got to keep it vague, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then your wife has been too. She has. Yeah, she went on a ski trip, a few day long ski trip with some. Oh, really? Last week. Yeah, they were gone for like three days. Oh, I didn't know that. What? Yeah. Oh dang. Oh, so we're like ski tripping. Like yeah, she did, yeah, and she really loved it. She enjoyed it. She's going back next week, not on another like multi dayer, but she's going for the day sometime oh, okay. next week. Dang! All right. I have not made the plunge yet. Keeping up with the lanes, you know. Oh gosh! <laughs> I have not taken the plunge. Would you? Yet. Would you be a skier or a snowboarder? I'm a terrible skateboarder. So no, I'm assuming I'd be a terrible snowboarder. No, I mean, I was fine on the snowboard and I can't skateboard. Really? Yeah. See, I've tried skiing once before and I had a horrible teacher. What was his name? I'm not going to call <laughs> this person out on All air. Right, All I will say is they told me not to bend my knees when I skied, that that was a bad decision. And I fell down a lot. I feel like locking your knees in any type of exercise is a bad decision. He didn't say to lock them, but um, he he was like, yeah, just you don't bend your knees very much. It's all like in the hips and stuff like that. And so I fell down a great deal. Do you bend uh, your knees when skiing? Oh, everybody else does. Everybody else that I've talked to now that is an experienced skier is like, uh, yeah, you definitely bend your knees. Bending your knees even more can keep you from falling. So, I mean, really. That's annoying. Yeah. So I was like straight up and down almost when I tried and I fell down a lot. This was some years ago. This oh, was a long man. time ago. I wish I would have seen that. <laughs> Just like stiff as a board standing straight up. Going down yeah. the mountain. <laughs> yeah. I, I should say this was not a professional ski instructor. This was somebody that I knew who was trying to help me oh. out. And it did not work out. So a friend. Are you friends anymore? Unclear. What? I'm not going to call him out. Oh, my gosh. Okay. When we're done recording, you have to tell me who okay. it was. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, I watched Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah. Yeah. And? I liked it a lot. Okay. Very entertaining. Not what I expected. Like, star-studded cast. What in the world? (laughs) Yeah, Wes Anderson's got quite a few stars that are usually show up. Yeah. Like, a new seat, and then, you know, there's, like, somebody in it for one like half a second and then that's the end and it's like a big name you know yeah i think bill murray's in it for like a grand total of like five minutes and same thing with like harvey keitel yes yeah and yeah there's some other there's some other little cameos too but is that owen wilson uh owen wilson shows up towards the end yeah for 20 seconds like Uh you know it's, it's like so many people, but Which even Owen like, Wilson, yeah, even like Adrian Brody, like I didn't realize he was in it, and yeah, Edward Norton, yeah, he bothers me. 
Edward Norton? Yeah. Really? Oh, my wife would be unhappy to hear that. She oh, loves really? Edward Norton. Yeah. I mean, I guess the movies that I have recently seen him in, he's supposed to bother me, I guess. So, like Glass Onion? He's definitely supposed yeah, to bother you. Yeah, so maybe that's why. Let's see, what else? What else would I have? Oh, he's in The Illusionist? He is The Illusionist. Oh my gosh, he is. He's Eisenheim. <laughs> he is, huh? The Illusionist, yeah. Oh, dang. What else is he in? Which I think is far superior to The Prestige. Mm, the Prestige is pretty good. You only like it because David Bowie shows up for like 10 minutes. Fair. It's a fair assumption to make. You know, I haven't seen, I I feel like I've seen The Prestige more than The Illusionist, though. Maybe I need to watch it again. Yeah, maybe that'll be on my to-do list for the weekend. I like The Illusionist oh, a lot. Paul yeah. Giamatti is really good in it. I don't like his goatee in that, though, you know? Makes him Why? Look- What's wrong with it? Oh, makes him look weird. Makes his chin look too pointy. Oh, interesting. Can't trust him. Oh, dear. <laughs> uh, what else? What else? What else? Yeah, I watched that. Um, I mean, not a I lot. I watched the menu. Have we talked about me watching the menu yet on the show? Think, I don't think so. If we I have, enjoyed sorry, it. but. Yeah, I think we text about it a little bit, but I yeah. enjoyed it. I mean, I did too. It was just kind of weird, you know? It's definitely a different movie and not for the faint of heart. No, no. But it is, I thought it was really good. I thought it was a very interesting original take. Yeah. No, that's true. Very true. It's hard to find originals nowadays, you know? Very true. So there's that. Not for Figlets. No, no. Or Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah, Grand Budapest Hotel is probably not for figlets either. No, not at all. Um, yeah, I haven't really watched anything new. Did you finish Andor? I haven't yet. I need to get back oh into it. It's gosh. just what an eye roll. Seriously, I just, it's just I think it's kind of slow. Is my at only first thing. okay, but just like get into it. I'm four episode. I'm into the fourth episode. How long do I have to wait? Okay. You know, we were chatting last week, though, about it when you were watching it, and you did make um, a pretty valid point Mm -hmm. about actresses in Star Wars. Oh, my gosh. Save save Leia, though, you know? True. But, you know, as a woman watching Star Wars, I have a lot of attractive men to look at, for the most part. And the same can't be said. I would agree. I mean. There's a couple. No, there is. Yes. Yeah. I would just say, you know, the the scale is definitely weighted in one way over the other. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Yeah. But. You're making me sound very shallow. Oh, no. I mean, I appreciate everything that I get in Star Wars. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, who did I list off for you? I listed off quite a few people for you, like 
<laughs> for for the uh, males in Star Wars. Christensen, though, and he's not. Harry Hayden Christensen is not a bad looking guy. Okay, I mean, he's, I don't think that I don't think that that's a compliment. You know, I mean, he's a terrible. Would you want somebody guy. to look at you and say, "Well, you're not a bad looking guy." You're not the you're not the worst I've ever seen. <laughs> oh my gosh, he's okay. Where am I here? Well, okay. top top of the top, tippity tippy top is Owen Ewan McGregor. So, mm, see, I would argue that Harrison Ford would be the tippy top for for you. No, um, no. Yeah, I said uh, Harrison Ford, Ewan McGregor, Episode Four, Mark Hamill, mm-hmm. uh, Liam Neeson's. A pretty good looking guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Hayden Christensen. Mm. And I said, I get Leia. What the heck? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I did, you know, uh, what's her face from Rogue One? Mm-hmm. Uh, Felicity Jones. Yeah. And you got She's Ray. An attract- She's an attractive woman. If you're going to venture Ray into the new. Ray doesn't really do it for me. And I don't know if it's because Daisy Ridley, is that her name or Mm -hmm. something like that? The actress. Hmm. I don't know if it's her character that I don't care for that much. And that, that ruins it. No, I think that, yeah, I would say so. I could agree with that. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, regardless, we can all agree. They're all phenomenal actors, but who, Everybody in Star Wars, pretty much. Aiden no, okay, he's not. He's not. He's <laughs> okay. Fair enough. My bad. Gracious. He had I mean, the chance to be. How about that? Maybe I was gonna say the the dialogue in the prequel trilogy, and I know we've had some uh, figgies who in the past said stop prequel hate. I have a I have a whole but, mug of dialogue from the prequel trilogy. Oh yeah, that's right, you do. Yeah, I do because it's a great um, scene. Your the, new empire, don't make me kill you. <laughs> like oh, <laughs> that escalated really fast. Yeah. <laughs> but I think in a lot of the parts, the dialogue is lacking, and yeah. if you're not a skilled actor. Yeah. You just can't really recover. Well, for example, like that whole scene, it's kind of dialogues a little weird. Yeah. So, I mean, there was nothing that could have been done there, but you know, what are you going to do? Yeah, it's true. What are you going to do? Um, well, I don't know. I'm, I've been boring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, that's okay. Oh, it's okay. That you're bored. I mean, You'll it's probably it not pass. great for it's probably not great for a podcast. But. No, that's true. That's true. Uh, but oh well, you know. We have a we have a lot of good shows coming out soon, so it seems. I think I saw that the Mandalorian comes out in March. In March, yeah. Pretty excited for that. I feel like I need to rewatch the last season. You know? I feel yeah, like I don't problem, remember it. 
with such big gaps they, mm-hmm. that they've had in between the seasons, yeah, you kind of have to go back and jog your memory a little bit about what's going on and what's happened. Yeah. yeah, for sure. No, I think that I definitely need to do that. But that's exciting. That's really exciting. Indeed. Yeah. All right. Well, I uh, want to get into some mad mashups. Let's do it. All right. Let's do it. All right, and we are back for some mad mashups. Yeah. All right, so this is, well, sorry if you hear my dog barking. (laughs) Apparently she wants back in. Uh, So this is where I pick setting, you pick person, and we Mm -hmm. see how they would fare in that situation. Okay. All right. Ready? Yes, I'm ready. All right. One, two, three. Navi. Who? Navi, the big blue avatar people. Oh, <laughs> in in uh, Jabba's uh, Rancor uh, prison. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, ooh. Hmm. You took like a like a little detour that I wasn't expecting. Okay. That was the goal. Yeah. Okay. Well, what do you I mean? Hmm. So I mean, obviously pretty... obviously he's thrown in there, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um he or she, yeah. He or she, yeah. And it's not gonna be pretty. Right. But, I mean, they're tall, right? Let me see. I think they're like eight or nine feet tall. Yeah, they're pretty big. Let me see. Okay, so, oh, up to 10 feet tall. Okay, yeah, so they can get pretty big. Okay, so how big is a Rancor? Uh, Well, around five meters tall. So, bigger than that. So a rancor is 15 meters, a meter is a little over three feet. So you're probably yeah. looking at like, you know, I don't know, 17 feet, something like that. 17 yeah. feet tall. Yeah. Okay. So smaller than I expected. Oh, it's bigger than I expected. Mm. He doesn't look that big. And uh, does he look that big? I feel like he looks pretty big next to Luke Skywalker. Yeah, maybe he does. Okay. All right. But um, I guess Luke Skywalker's like, almost half the size of a Navi. I mean, I feel like the Navi would probably try to depend on, you know, the earth too much to like help them out. I mean, they've got weapons. That's true. Yeah. I don't know. It's like, and Navi are also used to dealing with large, scary creatures. No, that's true too. That is true. Cause what, I mean, Hmm. What's their like a rancor? They just really have the brute strength, right? Yeah, strength and ferocity. They don't have yeah. like magic or anything no, crazy. Yeah. But. Yeah. So I mean, I think that I think that a Navi would fare pretty well. Agreed. Against 
a rancor. Um, tell me, like, you tell me play by play what you think would happen. Um, I think that the Navi would go in there and probably reason pretty quickly that this creature is hostile. Mm-hmm. Not something that is, you know, that they can talk to, communicate with, try to calm down or anything like that. Yeah. And then <clears throat> they're very acrobatic, the mm-hmm. Navi are. Mm-hmm. They could move around very quickly and and uh, with great agility. Yeah, they'd be very nimble. That's for sure. Yeah, very nimble and quick. And, yes. So, I mean, I'm I'm like what I'm expecting is almost like a Legolas type of deal, where mm-hmm. like they dodge the rancor around and then eventually they get behind it because they're quicker, they're faster, mm-hmm. and like run up its back and yeah. do some type of pointy weapon to the skull. So you think it would be pretty quick? Um, reasonably so. Yeah, I think it'd probably be over within about five to seven minutes. Is mm-hmm. my guess. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. I, I agree with you. I feel like they're, what they have on their side is their speed and agility. Where yeah. you have, um, you know, a monster that big, there, there wouldn't be as much speed there. Right. So they definitely have that. And them. like we talked about, the Navi are pretty big. Like they're yeah. not... They're not little. Like we're no, talking yeah. nine, we're talking like nine, ten feet tall beings yeah. mm-hmm. that can go at this thing. So it's not like they're tiny at all. Yeah. No, that's true. Uh Jabba would be pretty upset pretty quick. Yeah, he probably would be. Be a big bummer for him. His little pet, you know? Yeah, true. True. Be a bummer. Mm-hmm. Navi would be a pretty potent force, I think, in in a lot of settings. Yeah. They're pretty strong and quick. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the new one yet? Not yet. Uh-uh. Not yet it's, sh- it's like making so much money. Really? Oh, like insane amounts oh, people, of People are loving it? What is it on mm-hmm. Rotten Tomatoes? I think it gets decent numbers on Rotten Tomatoes. I can't... Avatar, like way of the water, right? Yes, way of the water. Let's see. Um, hmm, I just gotta wait till it comes on some kind of streaming platform, you know. Avatar: Way of the Water has already made oh. over two billion dollars worldwide. What? How much did it cost to make? Um, I think like four hundred million. Oh, okay, so they're doing pretty well. Um. Let me see here if I can 77% see 77% on the tomato meter, 92% audience score. Okay. So audiences really like it. Okay. Yeah. And it, see, here's the thing. It's all about the visual effects. It, it says the way of the water story is predictable, but the visual effects are so spectacular that it doesn't matter. Yeah. See, it's narratively standard stuff, but visually it's stunning. Yeah. So. I mean, that's, I wish it was a better story, I guess, you know, but oh well. Well, it's, yeah, let me see here. I'm trying to find out, like, worldwide 
all time what it what it's at. Hmm. Because there's not a ton of movies that have made two billion dollars worldwide. Like there's more a lot more than there used to be, but it's not. Well, I wonder like with inflation, like how it stands up, you know, against like big movies from a while ago. Yeah. Let me see here. Top lifetime grosses. Okay, the first Avatar is still number one. Oh, okay. At what? It made, at two billion nine hundred twenty-three million. So it made almost three billion. Okay. Second is Avengers Endgame. Mm. Followed by Titanic. Okay. Followed by Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. <sighs> and already at number five. Avatar the way of the water. Dang, that guy's killing it. He, he he takes 10 years to make He's a movie. He's a patient man, that's the thing, yeah. But when he does, he rocks it. He has 3 movies on there. Do you realize that? He's 3 of the top 5. Oh my gosh. Avatar, Titanic Dang. and Avatar Way of the Water. Yeah. I bet he has no friends because like he probably takes forever to like make decisions. Like, where do you want to eat tonight? Well. Yeah. I've heard he's kind of a difficult director to work with. Oh, really? Because he's very micromanagey, very attention to detail. I mean, it works. And then he can be kind of a jerk sometimes. Well, you know. Is James Cameron a jerk? Just give it a goog, you know? Yeah. Uh, yes, he is incredibly arrogant, self-obsessed, and narcissistic. Where are you getting this from? What's this? Uh, Cora. <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I've heard that rumor about him that it's, that there are some actors who don't, who have worked with him before who don't want to work with him again because it's miserable on set. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. People don't like him at all. I think I've heard that about Leonardo DiCaprio, who obviously made Titanic with him. But Leonardo DiCaprio Listen, has never I've been heard some really weird things about Leonardo DiCaprio. So oh, I'm sure you have. He's probably a very strange man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Well, maybe they're two peas in a pod then for uh, Titanic and James Cameron, you know? Yeah, I think this year Titanic turns 25 years old. 25? 25 years old. Wow. Which uh, I saw a meme or some joke online that meant that that means Leonardo DiCaprio is going to have to break up with it because he doesn't stick with anything that's older than 25 years. <laughs> that's so true, though. <laughs> He's going to have to let it go. Mm-hmm. Going to have to let it go. Uh, all right. Well, that's about it for Mad Mashups. Yeah. Navi, always killing it. <laughs> Slaying. Li- literally and figuratively. Yes. Uh, Rancor, sorry about your bad luck. Yeah, man. Jabba keeps putting you up against some tough enemies. Jedi, Navi, geez. Yeah. Yeah. Jabba, Jabba needs to figure out his life. So, indeed. All right, well, uh, let's get into the meat of our episode. 
All right. And welcome back. Welcome back to the meat. Of the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice mid-rare ribeye. Unlike I was able to achieve tonight. <laughs> A nice medium ribeye. How about that? Mm. There we go. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> I'm excited for this one. Yes. Because she's the worst of the worst in my book. Oh, man. Okay. Oh, man. She's horrible. She's horrible. And if you follow it along from the beginning, you'll know exactly who I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. If you're a true figgy. Yes. Okay. Who are we talking about tonight? Oh, okay. I'll say it. I'll say it. Okay. It is none other than Miss Dolores Jane Umbridge. Ooh. Mm. Lady in pink. Oh, gosh. I have like a sour taste in my mouth. (laughs) Yuck. Yuck. All right. Well, I'm excited to talk about her, though, because, I mean, she honestly, the backstory is interesting. It brings up valid points. You know, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But sources, movies, books, duh, harrypotter.fandom.com. Our brains. Our brains. Yeah. Because, I mean, we know a lot about this stuff. Believe it or not, guys. Believe it or not. All right. So who was she? Let's talk about who exactly she was. Then we'll get into the nitty gritty details. Okay. So first of all, and this is kind of very interesting since she becomes what she is. Yeah. um, She is a half blood Mm -hmm. witch, Mm -hmm. not a pure blood. Um, she is like, this is in generally speaking who she is. She's a ministry of magic employee mm-hmm. and, uh, not just a, uh, pencil pusher no. or somebody who's sort of a low level drone. She is the senior undersecretary to the minister of magic. Yes. She, uh, <clears throat> she's pretty high up there essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had, are these all the people she'd been an undersecretary yes, for? Yeah, so she's been an undersecretary for multiple ministers for magic. Which this, it surprises me she kept her job after I, what she did. Listen, after uh, Fudge, how did, like, what? Yeah. Yeah, so she was obviously undersecretary, an undersecretary under Cornelius Fudge, uh, who was the minister of magic throughout the first five Harry Potter books. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she is a very loyal lieutenant to Fudge, who is very intent, obviously, on suppressing the truth about Voldemort because he doesn't want people to freak out, doesn't want people to panic. And I think he kind of lies to himself. Because mm-hmm. uh, once he sees Voldemort face to face, well, sort of quote unquote, face to face towards the end of the Order of the Phoenix he's willing to acknowledge what's going on. Yeah. Um, It's obviously in the order of the Phoenix that we see Dolores Umbridge the most Mm -hmm. and all of her pink, horrible glory. Um, And even after all of that, Mm. all of that, she remains a senior undersecretary for Rufus Scrimgeour, Mm -hmm. 
or Rufus Scrimgore, I think is what we heard a pronunciation. I like earlier. a lot, like Scrimgeour, Scrimgore, Scrimgeour. Yeah. See, before you said Scrimgeour, I had never heard it before. I know. I know. I, I hear that on the Harry Hagrid. Potter podcast that I listened to. Oh, gosh. Yeah, so I, don't I think know. they're uneducated. I think they're uneducated. I think that he needs a little Nicky name, you know? Scrim, Scrimmy Scrim. Scrimmy Scrim. <laughs> Scrimmy scrim. Okay. There he is. And then under uh minister thickness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When does thickness come in? Is that in death? After Hallow? they kill Scrimmy Scrim. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's a he's a death eater. Yeah. Or no, maybe now I'm questioning myself. Yeah, I think I know that the Death Eaters do have puppets in the Minister of Mag- Ministry of Magic. Yeah, but I think he was. Now I got to look it up. I'm questioning myself. Was thickness a Death Eater? Uh, he's oh, okay, no, he's Voldemort's puppet. His entire time, he's under an Imperious curse. Okay. okay all right all right fine that's that's in general what we see from dolores umbridge in the books yeah very general now let's get into the the deets okay so early years so pre-hogwarts okay so she's the first child of orford umbridge i love their names if you're looking for baby names here they are and ellen cracknell uh orford umbridge was a wizard ellen was a muggle okay so which she's um a half-blood yes uh her younger brother was a squib so he had no magical powers whatsoever um which my question is is a squib really like a wizard and a muggle and then one of the children isn't i thought that it was like a wizard wizard and then that's my understanding you know? because yeah, that's my understanding because well, I guess well, I was gonna say Lily and Petunia, but both of their parents were muggles. Yeah, yeah. And Lily just happened to get special abilities. Yeah. So Dude, I guess I'm curious, a... you know. But I mean he's referred to as a squib all like maybe if a witch or wizard is involved, period. Then that's like the dominant gene or something. Yeah. Then a child that is born non-magical is a squib. We're going to have to check that out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So her father influenced her to think that her muggle mother and her squib brother were inferior to them. So here's where the problems begin. Pretty much. You know, uh, when Dolores was 15, her mom and brother returned, left and returned to the muggle world and were never heard from again. So she never saw them again or anything. They're just gone. I would assume they were treated so awful. Sounds like it. Gosh. So, uh, yuck. All right. So then, uh, let's get into her Hogwarts years. What, uh, she was probably a real treat then, too, you know? Yeah, well, shocker. She was sorted into Slytherin House. What? Yeah. <laughs> um, 
which Slytherins are obviously very ambitious, but they're also yeah. very cunning and very clever. Yeah, which I mean, uh, yeah. Which sure. I think I think does describe her pretty much to a T. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> she was sorted into Slytherin House when the head of Slytherin House was one Horace Slughorn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you are familiar with the uh, Half-Blood Prince... Uh, where Horace Slughorn is introduced, he had his favorite students. Yes. He had something called the Slug Club, Mm -hmm. where he would invite students that were either very gifted or very well-connected and things like that and Mm -hmm. try to basically be chummy with them. Um, That didn't happen with Dolores. Yeah. Uh, Slughorn did not like her. (laughs) At all. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, he claims that she is an idiotic woman who he has never liked okay fair enough Horace fair enough and unfortunately for a very ambitious young lady like Dolores she was never head girl or a prefect yeah which I would imagine she was pretty peeved about right I would imagine because I think it seems like she gives the vibe of you know that that person that as a kid was raised to think they were super extra special and they always believed that. And that's how they act as adults. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, you're average to below average. Sorry. So she probably just sat in her dorm room and fumed like all these other yeah. people don't see my genius. Yeah. Which she probably was average, you know? Well, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. but Yeah, we'll get into it a little bit. But yeah, so she uh, ultimately, you know, goes through Hogwarts or seven years at Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. Nothing super extra special. Doesn't develop any major connections per se. Isn't yeah. Doesn't have an impressive title like head girl or prefect. And then she graduates. And what happens after Hogwarts for her? So she pretty quickly got a job at the Ministry of Magic. Uh, And she rose through the ranks pretty quick as well. Uh, So at first she was an intern in the improper use of magic office. And then before the age of 30, she became the head of that office. And not through, you know, proper means. Uh, She did it in a sneaky way. She would, you know, take credit for people's work, um, oh. do things like that. So, you know, she wasn't surprised a good person. About Sounds like it. a modern day politician. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, her father was a low level Ministry of Magic employee um, in the Department of Magical Maintenance. So, um, which, I mean, is so interesting to me because if somebody puts themselves so superior and then you know they're a low-level employee which is fine but if you're gonna act like that like seriously dude you know yeah i mean he probably just felt that in general witches and wizards no matter how low they were in station in their own world were always superior to muggles no true very true but i mean this kind of backfires on him a little bit uh because as she rose through the ranks and he clearly did not she was very ashamed that he was working there and, you know, that people could connect them together. 
So she convinced him to retire early and gave him a monthly kind of stipend to keep quiet and like stay to himself and never be seen again, pretty much. Wow. Yeah. Loving daughter. Uh, Yes. I mean, what a treat, you know? (laughs) Uh, So after that, so that was the point that she claimed that she was a pure blood. Oh, okay. So that's where that kind of came in. So she, I mean, she did claim that she was a pure blood and that's what she put out there. So, yeah. Yeah, man, she's a, yeah, she's highly motivated, but goes about it in very, very ways. She was a turd to every member of her family. Yeah. Even the one that like made her feel special. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. You better watch out, parents, if you're going to treat your kids like that. Mm-hmm. They'll more, feel more special than you eventually. So, yes, <laughs> yeah. One of the major one of the major responsibilities of a parent is to make your children raise your children to be socially acceptable to other people. Mm-hmm. Dolores's father failed. Yes, <laughs> miserably, miserably. Yeah. Um, so eventually she did become senior undersecretary to the minister for magic, as well as, uh, she had a place in the, uh, Gamut. Mm-hmm. and yeah. So, I mean, she's high up there. Yeah. The, the man, I've heard this pronounced a bunch of different ways. Oh, too. Did I? I know you gave me a weird look. Well, I just, I don't know. I That's how I pronounced it when I read the books. But yeah. then I believe it's an Order of the Phoenix. Um, I hear Cornelius Fudge pronounce it Wizengamot. Well, I mean, it's also Cornelius Fudge. Maybe. But they're basically kind of like the high court. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of the wizarding world. Like they're kind of like a... I mean, there's a lot of them. I mean, when you look in the movie, I can't remember if they ever say in the book, but in the movie, at least, it looks like there's about 40 of them. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so there's quite a few of them, but they kind of function almost as a Supreme Court mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for the wizarding world. So Yeah, and she's pretty high there. Up there. Yeah, she's up there. Um, and then, of course, we're first introduced to her um, as a person. In Order of the Phoenix. So that's where she's already, you know, senior un- undersecretary, things of all of that. She's already risen through the ranks. So when we meet her in Order of the Phoenix, it's um, in the w- Wizengamot. <laughs> Wizengamot. Um, and during the interrogation of Harry for the Dementor attack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, I mean... And right away, of course, of course, you have an affinity for Harry. Yeah, as a reader of the books, but right away she rubs you the wrong way. Oh, (laughs) yes, yeah. (laughs) All right. So then, with that, you know, we go back to Hogwarts. So what? What does she do there? So yeah. So obviously, she comes uh, like we just talked about. And have mentioned previously in the episode, she sort of comes to prominence as a character in the Order of the Phoenix, which, by mm-hmm. the way, is my favorite book of the series. So good. Um, uh, yours is Goblet of Fire, right? I really like Goblet of Fire and Half Blood. 
Oh, you do like Half Blood. I do, yeah. And when I read Half Blood for the first time, I was so enraged mm, mm-hmm. at the end. Yeah. But it worked out. It was poetic. Yeah. Good old, uh, what's JK's first name? Joanne? Mm-hmm. Joanne knew what she was doing. She knew. Come on, Joe. You know. Jojo. <laughs> Jojo. <laughs> but yeah, so she comes back. She comes to prominence in Order of the Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And... uh Obviously, in Order of the Phoenix, uh, Harry has, you know, he had his first, you know, face-to-face, well, not first face-to-face, I guess, but, you know, he saw Voldemort in the flesh right at the end of the Goblet of Fire. Yeah. And so he's telling everybody, Voldemort's back, people, like, Mm -hmm. we got to do something about this. Yeah. Dumbledore believes him. Nobody else does, basically. Mm-hmm. So, and Cornelius Fudge, who has been in power for quite some time as the Minister of Magic, um, is wanting to keep the peace and keep everybody calm so that he can maintain power. Mm-hmm. So, as a result, he names one of his chief loyal lieutenants Ugh. to the faculty of Hogwarts. Talk about, like, is- not reading a situation correctly you know right yeah well i mean i guess she did exactly what he wanted her to do so yeah he seems to be pretty happy with what she does yeah um so dolores umbridge becomes in 1995 because the harry potter series takes place in the 90s Mm -hmm. uh, for those kids who don't know um, and she is appointed the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. Yes. By Cornelius Fudge under the Educational Decree number 22. Love these. Love these. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we see stuff like this, you know, in our own lives. Yeah. Uh, not yeah. maybe, well, well, yeah, we do. But anyways, so maybe uh, not quite as erratically, but, you know, here we are. Yes. So the purpose of this was to limit the learning of martial magic. Mm -hmm. So magic that you would use for combat to combat the dark arts. Instead, they want the students to have much more of a just sort of textbook based education on the dark arts. Theoretical understanding. Yes, rather than practical understanding. (laughs) And uh, obviously, she's also put in there as a spy to monitor the activities at Hogwarts because Fudge is concerned about Dumbledore for a number of reasons. Number one, Dumbledore is very well liked and beloved by many in the wizarding world. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's incredibly powerful. Mm -hmm. So he makes Fudge nervous. Yeah. Um, She was... uh, I mean, let's be honest, an ineffective educator. Yes. <laughs> I mean, nobody learned anything. The end. <laughs> um, and uh, she had rather draconian punishment tactics. Yeah. Like, Bizarre. caused physical harm to her students. How, like, for how long she got away with that, you know? Because I would she's tell my mom. With the minister. I would tell my mom immediately. Right, but they're probably monitoring mail that came in and out of Hogwarts. Dang. In fact, I think they I think that happens in the book. And right? these people still send their kids back to Hogwarts every year. 
I know. It makes you wonder what's happened. Well, well we know some things that happened in Hogwarts in the past with Aragog. Well, yeah. I mean, yes. Stuff, but it's like, ah, oh, it'll be fine this year. I don't think so. I don't. It I must really, just be. You know, this is the fifth year in a row that literally Voldemort is hanging. I don't think it's going to be okay. It must just must just be par for the course for the wizarding world. Like you just know this is going to happen to your kids at school. I mean, I, well, it is the nineties. It is the nineties. Yeah. I was told don't come back until the street lights are on. Right. I don't, I don't yeah. care. I don't care who's out there. You don't come back. Right. Exactly. So maybe that's. I don't it's- care who. I don't <laughs> care who's out there. <laughs> wow. Um. Uh, she is also named the High Inquisitor. Mm-hmm. Um, she uh, evaluates, harasses, and fires teachers. Yeah. Like good old uh, Professor Trelawney. Yeah. Um, Sad. Yeah. And there are many more educational decrees. Yeah. Too many to count. Uh, that she issues. Yes. Yeah. Ultimately... Uh, she is named the headmistress of Hogwarts. She replaces Dumbledore, who's been the excuse me headmaster for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she replaces Dumbledore. Um, and in 1996, um, excuse me, no, it was in 1996 that she became the headmistress when Dumbledore's army was discovered. Mm-hmm. Because it made it look like Dumbledore was raising a secret army to overthrow yeah. Cornelius Fudge, and he's paranoid. So, yeah. Um, obviously, everyone hated her, except for Filch. Yeah, he loved her. He did, um, which is weird because he's a squib, and she was <laughs> yeah for sure. But... He was super into the evil draconian punishment. Yeah. Well, it's weird that she would latch on to him as well, him being a squib, you know? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think he was a means to an end. That's true. That's true. I guess she can overlook things like that if it's to her benefit. Exactly. Exactly. Um, She would have loved her daddy more if her dad was, you know, minister of magic or some other really Uh... high-ranking official. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so eventually the members of the Dumbledore's of Dumbledore's army were caught and questioned, um, which uh questioned again, which led to the tussle in the Forbidden Forest. Mm-hmm. Uh she is confronted by centaurs and uh she attacks them. Yeah. And she is nearly killed by them. Yes. But she survives. Mm-hmm. Uh, although her wand was snapped in half by a centaur. I can't believe that she was nearly killed by them. It's one of the more satisfying moments. It is. To, to watch in the movie when they gallop away with her. I know. It's amazing. Court. It's like, yes, thank you. <laughs> Don't come back. Yes. But of course, you know, we see her again. We do. And how does she make her little comeback? Yeah. And it's such a bummer because she just pops up again and it's like, and then you realize you thought, oh, I thought she died. And you're like, totally fine with it. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, yeah. First of all. You're like bummed out. Yeah. <laughs> she bummed that she's Dang alive. It. And then second of all, what? Where? What happened? So Dumbledore 
actually is the one who rescued her from the Forbidden Forest. <laughs> and there's not like details of what happened, really. I mean, she was with the centaurs and he convinced them to let her go or something. Um, I don't think that it was anything bad that happened between him and the centaurs because, of course, at his funeral, spoiler alert, I guess, uh, they're there and they shoot their arrows. So they respect him, you know. Yes. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. He has some dirt on the centaurs. Well, it doesn't sound like he went in there like wands a-blazing and basically forced them through his power to turn her over. It sounds like maybe... He's probably polite. Yeah, it sounds like probably just through mutual respect. Yeah, yeah. That he convinced them to let her go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He probably promised her, listen, this chick ain't never coming back to Hogwarts. So don't worry about it. I will make sure of that. Yeah, but I mean, she does worse things, you know? But anyway, so, of course, she gets rescued. We see her pop up again. But in the meantime, after the battle of the Department of Mysteries and all of that goes down, she is suspended due to the abuse allegations. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. What else? You know? Right. But um, so then when she was rescued by Dumbledore, obviously, I mean, she almost was killed. So she had to be kind of nursed back to health. Um, And she was doing so in the hospital wing at Hogwarts. Um, And she tried to escape (laughs) because I think she knew what was coming, you know? Yes. Um, But Peeves caught her and hit her on the head over and over again with a walking stick and a sock full of chalk. (laughs) <laughs> so if you're unfamiliar peeves is hogwarts friendly mischievous poltergeist yes yeah who somehow didn't make it to the movies right yeah does he make it in sorcerer's stone just a little bit nope or no no he's such a funny character i know so essential too yeah anyway that's for another day but so then she returns to the ministry obviously uh she returned to her previous position of senior undersecretary to the minister for magic under uh scrim i don't know scrim scrim uh which blows my mind i mean like there's nobody else you know like right. there's no there's nobody Really? Anyway, so she headed up the Muggleborn Registration Commission and, you know, conducted those trials um, for Muggleborns, asked them who they stole their wand from, which this is where it gets real sticky because, listen, and not even Muggleborns, half-bloods. And she is, though. Like, she's a half She's You're not a pure blood. Like, not that that's better. I mean, it's not better at all. She thinks that it is. But who who are you kidding here? I mean, everybody. I just, I just think she's one of those, I don't know what the clinical term is, but she's somebody who's told herself a lie so much mm-hmm. over and over again. She believes the truth. She believes she's a pureblood, probably. Yeah, that's true. That's at true. At that point. Uh, one of the grossest things ever that she does is she takes Mad-Eye Moody's 
magical eye after he dies and puts it on her office door. Gross. Yes. And then, of course, she also received the locket as a gift. Not as a gift, as a... uh, She actually got it from Mundungus Fletcher. That guy's a tool. But, (laughs) yeah, so she did that. And, um, you know, kind of interesting. I was kind of reading up a little bit on it. The locket never seemed to negatively affect her. You know? Um, How it wore down on Harry and whoever was holding it at the time. Okay. Are we talking about the... The Horcrux. Okay, yeah. The locket that belonged to... Um, to... Uh, Sirius's brother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So... Yeah, so then uh, what happened after... So, you know, we know all of this stuff that happens in um, Deathly Hollows. But what happens to her after Voldemort's death? Well, after her, after Voldemort's death, Umbridge was arrested. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally, some reform, mm-hmm. right? Um, she was arrested, tried for her crimes against Muggleborns, and as a result was given a life sentence mm. in Azkaban. <laughs> Thank you. So she got what she deserved. Finally. Finally. Yes. All right. Well, so now, you know, a quick rundown on her life. What does she look like? Let's talk about her appearance. Yeah. So she is described as resembling a large, <laughs> pale toad. Yes. Which um I wouldn't okay. I wouldn't want to be described like that. Uh no. 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 Uh, she has a broad, flabby face, <laughs> a wide, slack mouth, and a little neck. It's so bad. Um, her eyes were bulging and pouchy, and her mousy brown hair. She often wore in her mousy brown hair. She often wore a black velvet bow, which reminded Harry of a fly perched dangerously above a toad. <laughs> Furthering her toad-like characteristics. Uh, She spoke in a very high-pitched voice and was super into pink and kittens, which we see, Mm -hmm. and wore several gaudy rings. Yes. You know, you just have to think, and and I think about this a lot when casting characters, you know, like, oh, Imelda Staunton, would you love to be this? Right? I mean, geez, you know? Yeah. I mean, to be fair, she doesn't look like a toad. No. At all. No. I think her other manner, you know, she's kind of short and like, you know, things like that. And I mean, she did an amazing job. Yes. Oh, yeah, she did. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder, you know? (laughs) We're looking for a toad, toad-like actress. Oh well, how was she described? Well, as a large pale toad. Mm-hmm. Oh, wonderful! Thank you. Like, did she seek out the role, or did they seek her out? Is the real question. <laughs> it might have been a combination of the two. I mean, by that yeah, time, Harry Potter true. was such a huge phenomenon. You want to be a part of it? Yeah, I'd, I'd want to be anything. I saw an interview with Patrick Stewart. Mm-hmm. Um. 
famous English actor, obviously, who's probably most famous for playing Jean-Luc Picard in Star Trek The Next Generation and Professor X in the X-Men movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's also a very gifted actor, stage actor and everything, very gifted thespian. I remember seeing him in, a, in an interview where somebody asked him if he was in Harry Potter. And he was like, no, I wasn't. And I'm still upset about it. Like, oh, no way. He's mad that he didn't get asked <laughs> to be in Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So anyways. Hey, we'll good to know. Good to know. Um, all right. So now uh, let's move on to her personality. Okay. Um, number one, gross. <laughs> First and foremost. Okay. Uh, she's also very evil. You know, we see that. She she uses her political power for just the very worst of things. She doesn't mm-hmm. use her power in a good way. Um, she's ruthless and cruel. She's power hungry, um, intolerant. She's corrupt. She doesn't really have a moral or ethical center, it seems. I mean, okay. I think that we could all argue that. But yeah. she is extremely loyal to those that she chooses to be. Um, almost like a blind faith in authority. Right. You know, um, didn't really matter who the minister for magic was. She was going to be loyal to the death. Probably for her own, for her own benefit though. Yes, I would agree. Yeah. Uh, she must've been fairly intelligent, um, to get to where she is. Mm-hmm. You know, that requires a certain amount of intelligence to be that uh, conniving, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. And she's extremely prejudiced against anything that is not a pure blood wizard, pretty much. Yeah. 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 Basically. Uh, what about her abilities? What do we know of those? Well, um, it appears that her abilities are somewhat limited. Yeah. Um, she may not have been super capable, at least in certain elements of magic. Mm-hmm. Um, she did not understand the brewing process for Veritas Serum. Mm-hmm. She relied on Snape for that. Yeah. Uh, although we do know that Snape is obviously a very gifted potion master. Uh, she could not put out the magic done by Fred and George Weasley. <laughs> no, she could not. <laughs> Um, and she could not remove the curse on Marietta's face. Mm-hmm. Uh, she may be more capable in offensive and defensive magic. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like things like charms and uh, maybe transfiguration and different mm-hmm. things like that. She was kind of limited. Yeah. Um, but it is possible that she was more capable in, in those types of things. Like, I But it's like the very classic, like we were talking about, you know, like her dad probably talked her up so much, but, you know, she's average, which is okay, but yeah. not for somebody who thinks that they're not average. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. All right. Well, favorite part of all of this, let's talk some fun facts about Umbridge. All right. Okay. So Umbridge is a pun on the English umbrage, meaning offense or insult or offense or insult. It indicates that Dolores Umbridge is destined to only do harm and cause only unhappiness. Okay. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, of the seven defense against the dark arts teachers over the time when the series was set, she was the only woman to hold the post. Okay. Yeah. I didn't realize that, you know, till it's written mm-hmm. out for you, I guess. Yeah. Um, all right. So it has been noted by many fans, Imelda Staunton and even JK Rowling herself, that Dolores bears many similarities to the late British prime minister, Margaret Thatcher. Thatcher, similar to Umbridge, was Minister for Education and made many changes that the public disagreed with um, and was also known for her soft approach when addressing the public, like her little high pitch of voice that Umbridge has, uh, but was also known for being radical, harsh, and in some cases extreme with her policies and methods in running the country during her tenure. In the film adaptation, her hairstyle also bears a resemblance to that of Thatcher. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. All right. Go for it. You do the next one. Okay. Um, actress. Uh, what's her first name again? Imelda. Imelda. Actress Imelda Staunton said that she nearly vomited when she had filmed the scene where Umbridge makes Harry write in his own blood during his fifth year. Mm. She also said it was amongst the most sickening parts she has ever filmed. Mm. Which is interesting because she didn't actually see that. Yeah. I guess just the thought of it. Yeah, I guess. She must uh, be is a what really kind her. woman, you know? I get, yeah. Must actually be really nice. <laughs> so, uh, legendary horror novelist Stephen King, who is mm. a great fan of J.K. Rowling, um, writing as a book reviewer, for the uh, July 11th, 2003 uh, installment or uh, issue of Entertainment Weekly, noted that the success of any fantasy novel depends upon a great villain and called Umbridge the greatest make-believe villain to come along since Hannibal Lecter. That's big. Which is pretty pretty bold, I think. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Well, he knows. Yes. Um, also, Umbridge's wand is the only wand in the series made of birch. Hmm. The distinction is more meaningful as Ollivander is described in Pottermore as never using birch as a wand would. Hmm. This could be a connection to Krampus, mm. who we've talked about in the past. Crossover. Yeah, a child-beating demon that uses <laughs> birch sticks as a weapon or the practice of birching. A corporal punishment where a victim is beaten with a birch rod. Listen, if you guys have not heard the Krampus episode, please go listen to it. It's pretty it's pretty funny and interesting. Dark, <laughs> dark, funny, and interesting. Yes. Um what else? What what are what are some other fun facts? So finally, Dolores Umbridge shares a lot of similarities with none other than Voldemort. So they were both blood supremacists. Uh-huh. Uh, they were, even though they were that, they were half-bloods, <laughs> but despise yeah. that about themselves. Uh, they had negative emotions for their parents. They held positions of power and were feared by many wizards and witches. Oh, they both left permanent scars on Harry Potter. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. And uh, they both had possessed Slytherin's locket at one point. 
Interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. She's his girl. I mean, if she's that similar to the baddie, you know? To the Dark Lord. To the Dark Lord. Um, okay, well, let's do some rankings. Okay. Despicableness. Ten being the most, one being the least. Mm, she's pretty despicable. I think I'm going to give her a nine. Oh, I'm, I'm going to give her a ten. Oh, dang. Okay. Yeah. All right, 9.5. All right, redeemable. I mean, she mm. had a chance. She had a solid chance. Yeah, she doesn't appear to be really redeemable in the least. I'm going to give that a 10. Yeah, because she, yeah, she had a chance. Okay, likable. Um, as a villain, she's rather likable. Um, a good villain. Like, she's a good villain, yeah. Like, you don't like her as a character, but that's the point. Like, you're supposed to hate her. And I think the thing is, like, you clearly don't like her at first, but she's still kind of a sneak attack villain, you know? Like, you know the vibe is wrong at first, but... Yeah, that's true. I'm going to give it a nine. Whoa, really? Yeah. I was going to give her a... I was going to give her a seven, I think. A seven? Okay. All right. So what is that? An eight? An eight. All right. So overall, she's at 27.5. Is that our highest ranking villain yet? I think it might be. Let me see. Because who is the other one? There's another high ranker. All these women villains, you know? No, I don't think Alphaba was high. Oh, because we talked about... Oh, Bellatrix. Bellatrix was bad. Um, 26.5. For Bellatrix? Yeah. Oh, so she beat Bellatrix by one. Okay. Okay. Let's see. Who else was there? Boba Fett? No. Who was... Oh, what about a... Where did uh what's her face go? Um Ursula? Yeah. Ursula wasn't super high, I don't think, was she? I feel like she was like a 21. Oh, there she is. Come on, load. She wasn't that high? Oh yeah, 21.5. Yeah. Okay, so she's the top right now. Dang. All Crazy. Right. The baddest of the baddies. Yeah. <laughs> so far. So far. Anything else to say about our dear <laughs> Umbridge? Uh, no, I don't think so. All you? Right. No, I don't think so. Just got to love to hate her. Yes. All right. Well, continue the journey on social media. You can find us at the fig pod on Instagram. Email us at the at gmail.com. And don't forget to become a patron over at patreon.com forward slash the fig pod. And please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe or follow so that you never miss another episode of the Fantasy in General podcast. See you next time. See you next week.